Hi everyone and welcome to episode 7 of this new season of Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity. A delve into my celebrity archive, a look back at some of my favourite interviews from my career in radio and TV. Now this week you'll hear an interview I did with a woman who has a handbag named after her and recorded one of the most iconic love songs of all time, Je t'aime. She is Jane Birkin. She was born in London and began her career as an actress, appearing in minor roles until she met Serge Gainsborough while co-starring with him in Slogan, which marked the beginning of their long working and personal relationship. The duo released their debut album, Jane Birkin stroke Serge Gainsborough in 69, and Birkin also appeared in the controversial film Je t'aime moi non plus, excuse the French, in 1976, which was directed by Gainsborough. Birkin would attain further acting credits in the Agatha Christie adaptations of Death on the Nile in 78 and Evil Under the Sun in 82. After separating from Gainsborough in 1980, Birkin continued to work as both an actress and a singer, appearing in various independent films and recording numerous solo albums. Birkin has lived mainly in France since the 70s. She has three grown-up children, and in addition to her acting and musical credits, she lent her name to the famous Hermes Birkin handbag. More on that after the interview. When we met in 2004, she was promoting her latest album called Rendezvous. But it was that song, Je T'aime, that I started by asking her about. Does she ever get fed up talking about it? I'm never fed up of talking about it, and I always have to talk about it, and I know that when I go out feet first, that'll be what they'll be playing <laughs> if I'm on any telly thing anywhere over the world. I mean, in South America, when I did the, the show Arabesque in Madrid... They woke me up at four o'clock in the morning. I couldn't think what what was happening. I'd forget, forgotten to take the telephone off the hook. And it was, um, this is San Paolo, and you're live on a television program. And I heard, da, 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 da. <laughs> and so they wanted to know questions as as strange for someone waking up at four o'clock in the morning as, is it true that you jumped into the Seine because you did something awful to Serge and you tried to get him back, to which I could only reply the positive, of course. Yeah. And it was perfectly true. I'd thrown a custard pie at his face and I didn't know how to get it, <laughs> get, get, get back from doing such an awful thing and in public, what's more. So indeed, I jumped into the scene and I realized that, of course, even in South America, then if they've asked us back to sing arabesque there and to New York and everywhere, then it's because of Jetain. I just want to um, talk to you about uh, Serge Gainsborough. Yes. Um, a most remarkable man. I've just been reading a, a few things about him. For example, um, just tell me why he bought a Rolls Royce. He bought a Rolls Royce because we'd just done a film in Yugoslavia. And we'd done two, in fact, one called Romance for Horse Thieves with Abraham Polonsky, where I played with Yul Brynner and uh, Serge was supposed to be my rather dreary, um, soppy uh, fiancé. And uh, he was, uh, in fact terribly attractive and dashing and fell into the mud and was a Charlie Chaplin character and he was wonderful. Then he started to play something which was called the Valse Triste, which is brought up by Carla Bruni, who's just sung it on her last album. We were paid for the second film in cash because it was done for the Yugoslav, at that time, the Yugoslavian government, because it, we were supposed to be, unlikely as, it, <laughs> as mm. it sounds, we were supposed to be partisans in Tito's army. I was supposed to come out of a lake, a frozen lake, 
and the pure vision of my body was supposed to stop the entire German army, which gave Serge enough time to rush behind a rock and mow them all down with a machine gun. So this unlikely film kept us in Yugoslavia, for ex-Yugoslavia, for about uh, six months. With the money, Serge decided, as it was communist money, it gave him a giggle to buy a Rolls Royce. It's a sort of private joke that he had with himself. He didn't have a driving license, so he used it as an ashtray. He used to go and visit it at British Motors and caress it. Wow. And then, and then use it as a little ashtray. And then when it got too expensive at British Motors, he sold it, but he kept the lady. Remarkable. Yeah, a, a nugget of gold which uh, you've mislaid as well. A nugget of gold was what Serge decided on his way to to buy the Rolls-Royce as we were going through Switzerland, he said he'd always longed to, to have a bit of gold. So I said, oh, well, why not? So we then he, he, went, he went to about four banks until he decided on the bank that had the prettiest enough foyer so that he could think of it when he was in France, which means I have no idea where he put it. <laughs> it wasn't very big, and he thought that I was really rotten because I said that it was no bigger than an OXO cube. And he said, if I wouldn't mind shutting my mouth about that particular detail. But a, a more scrupulous man about being a decent French citizen you could never find. He used to go off to pay his taxes by foot as he was a very uh, fragile man. He, he used to wear his white dancing pumps that I bought him and he never got out of because it was like wearing gloves on his feet and he used to go off with his valet Fulbert and as he was going blind at the end of his life he used to make Fulbert fill out the checks for the tax and Fulbert used to start to cry because he thought Serge paid too much tax and (laughs) Serge used to say another zero Fulbert you must put on another zero (laughs) and then they walked back home together and it's such an amazing sight of such an accessible man he used to stuff his briefcase with banknotes and when boy he had an such an attractive boy driving a taxi once who was going to have false teeth and he said oh my god if you have false teeth then here's 200 pounds he said taking them lavishly out of his little suitcase and then he said but if you have false teeth make them look like rotten teeth because only really bad taste people have really super false teeth so he said put cracks in them and make them look a bit yellow and look make them look like old tombstones and he said and then you'll go on looking as attractive as you look now and he handed over that money he handed over money to a policeman who'd lost his wife in a in a gun attack or something he he was a most surprising sort of person and and very very a pushover in fact for kindness yeah, yeah. women seemed to find him very very attractive but um, he, he can't have been that easy to live with he was the best person to go out with women realized because when he was doing really bad films before i met him i heard that he went off and did a film did films in um, in spain where where Everyone was gladiators and things like that. So he was always he was he was always the traitor. He was always called Degelasus or <laughs> Stinkerush, and uh, with his little mini skirt on and and whispering to the emperor to kill all the Christians. And Rhonda Fleming was the star of them, and Edmund Purdom was the English actor in them. And everyone went out with Edmund Purdom, but they all went back with Serge Gainsbourg because yeah. he was so funny. Yeah. And girls in the end like a man with a sense of humour and who who can be fun. And that was. Serge's winning element was that he made you feel a million dollars and he was he was funny. Jane, I could talk to you for hours. Unfortunately, time has beaten us. Good luck with the album. It is really superb. I implore everyone to listen to it. That's Jane Birkin and Rendezvous. And thank you very much for chatting to us. Thank you for my rendezvous. <laughs> 
Jane Birkin. As I mentioned in the introduction, she is also famous for being the inspiration for the famous Hermes Birkin bag. Apparently in 1983, the Hermes chief executive, Jean-Louis Dumas, was seated next to Birkin on a flight from Paris to London. Birkin had just placed her straw bag in the overhead compartment of her seat, but the contents fell on the floor. Birkin explained to Dumas that it had been difficult to find a leather weekend bag she liked. So in 1984, he created a black supple leather bag for her. A Birkin bag these days can cost in excess of $11,000, and that's for the basic one, and have reached up to $380,000. That was for a bag made of exotic skin and diamonds, which was sold at auction by Christie's in Hong Kong for the record price back in 2017. Now next week, as the World Cup has started, you can hear an interview I did with Yuri Geller, the spoon-bending psychic who back in 2002 asked the whole nation to collectively try and heal David Beckham's famous metatarsal injury, which threatened his participation in that year's World Cup competition. Can you imagine the force, the positive energy that 7 million people can emit if they send a healing power, a force to David Beckham's foot? That's Yuri Geller next week on Tales from a Very Minor Celebrity.